Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new season of Adventology. I'm your host, Travis Walker. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring the origin of evil and answering the question, why was sin permitted? But before we do that, I just want to say it is good to be back. A lot has happened since our last episode. For one, I have moved. I am currently now the pastor of the Fort Myers Seventh-day Adventist Church. I enjoyed my six years in Daytona Beach. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, the transition has uh, been busy one. But uh, we are now in a place where I can give this podcast the love and attention it deserves. And to be truthful, I have missed it. I've missed uh, making these episodes and I missed the feedback and the relationship I developed with all of you through the years that we were weekly producing episodes up until about 2021. However, in this new iteration of our podcast here, I want to include a little bit more about my own life and your life as well. I would love to hear from you, get your feedback after each of our episodes, maybe even including some of your comments and questions in future podcast episodes. So even now, as you prepare for this episode, uh, consider letting me know. Consider dropping me a line if I say something that strikes your mind in a certain way or creates a question in your mind. Um, you can reach me at Travis at Adventology.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Pastor T Walk. You know, I was kind of resisting Instagram all these years, but over the last year, I have really come to embrace it and I'd like to embrace it even more. So uh, whether you're a an audio person or a visual person, uh, we hope to provide content in both of those settings. So again, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, remember, everything we do on this podcast is designed to help you be ready for Jesus. And so part of being ready for Jesus is walking with Jesus. Amen. And so my question for you today is, how is your walk? How um, is God in your life right now? Are you closer to him than you were before? Are you farther away? Do you find yourself drifting? Um, The truth is uh, we're never in a neutral position with God. We're either kind of moving toward him or moving away from him. But the good news, of course, is that Christ never moves away from us. The Holy Spirit is always chasing after us, and it's his desire to draw us to himself through the love and truth found in the Word of God and through the love of those in this world who have accepted Christ into their life and are living and breathing incarnations of Jesus in their day-to-day lives. And so the point that I'm trying to make here is that wherever you're at right now, God loves you. And I want you to know that. Um, He's never far from you. Um, He's always there. If you would just kind of turn your head and look up to Him, He's right there. 
And so this idea that God is love is so central, especially when we um, look at the overarching theme of the Bible and the great controversy. Um, God is love really is the lens by which we need to study the Bible. If we look at the Bible with any other lens, we're going to get a distorted view. And of course, there's reasons why we question God's love, and we'll be getting into that more through this season. But uh, one of the things that is a true reflection of God's love and his character is his law. And uh, really, that's where the whole great controversy begins with a question about whether God is truly love and whether his law is, is just and right. And so the reason, though, that people question those things is because there's this idea out there that maybe God is responsible for all the evil in the world today. Uh, maybe God and the de- devil are, are in cahoots together, you know. Maybe they're, they're not enemies so much as they are partners. Um, and, you know, others just accept that God is is good and the devil is evil and, and that they're at odds with one another. But then they start asking themselves, well, if God's so much more powerful and greater than, than the devil, then why didn't he just destroy him uh, at the beginning? And so we're going to be answering some of those questions today. Not that I'm going to be able to totally answer those questions because there's certain things about God that I don't even understand. I mean, his foreknowledge is clear. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning, and and yet clearly, if that was the case, then people would say, "Well, why then did you even create Satan to begin with?" And you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. But what we do know is that um, God is is good, and uh, and so to really understand God, we we have to begin by looking at Christ, I think, because Christ is the manifestation of God. We, we can't see the Father. The Spirit as well is invisible, um, but Jesus is the revelation of God to man. And so if we turn in our Bibles, we look at John chapter 1, and starting in verse 1, it simply says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Right. So right here we see that any question about the nature of Christ is answered right here in the beginning of of this uh, gospel. Um, Jesus has always been with the Father, will always be with the Father, and he's with the Father today. And that means that he was with the Father um, through the creation of everything that we see. Everything that uh, exists in the world was made through him. And uh, so not only is Jesus then our Savior, right, but he's also our creator. He's also our lawgiver, you know. And and this is where a lot of people struggle. They, they want to see Jesus as this loving Savior, but they they have a difficult time seeing him as the creator of of the Ten Commandments, right? The giver of the law and the one who set all things into motion from the beginning. 
But lest we forget, right, when we, when we look at the prophecies of the Bible concerning Christ, the prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so Christ has always been, will be, and will continue to um, exist throughout eternity. There's other scriptures that reiterate this point, um, even uh, piggybacking on what John said in, in John chapter 1. Colossians, Apostle Paul said this in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him all things were created, and that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So I think this is uh, an important point, you know, because every day we wake up, it's a gift from Christ, right? He not only made us, he not only saved us, but he also sustains us, right? He's the one that makes the world spin around. He's the one that allows the sun to shine. He's the one that brings the rain. Um, Christ is the great lover of our soul. Everything good that we experience in this world is a gift from Christ. Every piece of bread we eat, every glass of water we drink is a gift from Jesus. He sustains our life. He sustains our bodies. And, uh, and, and so this is the great truth of the Christian religion, right? That everything centers on Christ. And, you know, sometimes it can become a little cliche, but that's only because we have lost some of the awe and wonder that would come if we spent more time really contemplating the nature of God through Jesus as revealed to us in Jesus. Because that's truly the only way we can understand love. You know, God doesn't force and this is one of the big themes that we're going to be talking about today. He doesn't force. He draws, right? He, he wants us to appreciate him for who he is and uh, his character. And so Christ is the manifestation of that character of God. It's through Christ that we understand even what love is. Because that is the principle and the foundation of God's throne. And yet, a lot of times, we... We kind of have a shallow approach to love. We, we see it more in a sentimental way rather than the principle that it truly is. Because if you think about love, right, love is something that requires choice. And, and this is kind of where the rubber meets the road with this, con, with this conversation about the origin of evil, right? Um, because the idea of God being loved then means that he would create beings both capable of receiving and giving that same love. But with that capability, there is even a greater core principle than love that is required, and that's, and that's free will, right? Because we can't love without cho- choosing to love. Otherwise, it's not love. Otherwise, we're just programmed to behave in a certain way. And although... You may create a perfect world, a perfect environment if you pre-program everything to do exactly what you want it to do. In the end, um, you know it's just a program, right? It's like a computer program. You know, you can make it perfect in that environment. But at the end of the day, you know it's just doing what you programmed it to do. And God didn't want that. That's not according to who he is, and that's not how he made the universe. So therefore, God had to give us 
the freedom to choose. He had to give all his intelligent beings the freedom to choose. Because, because what is love without choice, right? If, if you force love, it becomes slavery, right? Or, or worse, you know, just being a, a robotic existence. If you buy love, like the Beatles famously saying, you can't buy me love, right? Because you can't, because if you do, it's just flattery, right? It's just a way to um, get people to manipulate them to do what you want them to do. But, but at the end of the day, it's not coming from the heart. And so either way, unless love is given freely, love ceases to exist. Thus, in order for God to be true to himself, he had to create us uh, with that same reflection. And the created beings, uh, they had to both have the ability to receive and accept love, but that also meant they also had the ability to um, reject and distort it. Now, it's really impossible for us to understand how long creation existed. You know, we, we don't know how old the universe is. You know, scientists estimate, you know, 5 billion, 10 billion years. I have no idea uh, if that's true. Um, but the reality is that however long creation had existed before Earth came into existence, is really not the point. Uh, the point is at some point right before earth was created, evil entered into um, the universe. And so while Star Wars and other, you know, Eastern Buddhist type philosophies will teach that good and evil depend on one another to exist, the Bible doesn't say that, you know, the Bible says that there was a time when there was only good and no evil. And also, there will be a time in the future where that will be the case again. And so just as darkness is the absence of light, so evil is the absence of love. So where then did this evil come from? Again, the Bible doesn't really explain it. The Bible just says it's the mystery of iniquity. Uh, in other words, if evil could be explained, it could be justified. But since there's no justification for evil, then there can be no explanation for it as well. And yet we do know where it came from, right? We do know where it took root, I should say. And it took root in the highest and most beautiful of all of God's created beings, an angel named Lucifer. Thus God said um, in, the, in the book Ezekiel concerning Lucifer, he said, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. You were the anointed cherub who covers I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15. Again, we see here the Bible gives no excuse for Lucifer's rebellion. He had it all. He had power. He had beauty. He had influence. But the only thing he didn't have was control. He was not satisfied 
being the first among angels. He wanted to be God himself. And once that root of pride took root in his heart, it just wouldn't let go. Later we find in Isaiah another description of the fall of Lucifer in chapter 14, starting in verse 12. It says here, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And that was truly his desire, right? That's what pride had planted in his heart, this desire to be God, this desire to to control rather than to be controlled. At least that was how he felt. And uh, although he had been given everything that one could ever ask, it wasn't enough. He wanted more. And soon those gifts of beauty, power, and influence that he had used for any, you know, who knows how long up to this point to serve God were turned against God and became a weapon that, uh, that even God couldn't fight with, right? And that weapon was deception. Um, because at the heart of his deception was this idea that, that angels would be happier, right? If they weren't restricted by God's law. And, and so what he began to say and began to believe in his own life was that the law of God was a weapon of control, a weapon of manipulation. And he failed to see it as it truly was, which was a manifestation of God's character, right? And even though over and over again, God proved himself to Lucifer, showing who he truly was with his patience and love toward him and trying to turn him back from the the road to perdition that he was walking Um, Lucifer began to become even more stubborn in his belief, right? And so cunning and uh, making himself the victim, pointing to God as the tyrant, and eventually began influencing the other angels. The Bible says he convinced a third of the angels in heaven to follow him and turn their back on God. Thus, Lucifer, the light bearer, became Satan the great adversary. And of course, the inevitable result was war, right? Not not a physical war, right? I mean, that's something that we can understand. We're not always fighting wars with swords and guns, right? Sometimes we are fighting wars with words and ideas. And this is clearly the case of what was happening in heaven. Otherwise, uh, all the evil angels would and Lucifer himself would have been wiped off the face of existence, But instead, Revelation 12 describes it this way. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So eventually, uh, you know, the patience of God ran out. Eventually, everyone had to make a decision. There was a D-Day. Everyone had to take a side. And once everyone had made that choice, um, the results and the consequence were that uh, a third of the angels, including the devil, no longer could stay in heaven any longer. 
Now, we asked this question earlier, but let's go back to it. Why, why didn't God just destroy the devil right then, right? Why not um, just be rid of him? And, and, and even if you were going to let the devil continue and, and uh, manifest his character in heaven, why not after a third of the angels had chosen their side, did God just not wipe them all out of existence at the same time? But, but this is a human idea, right? This idea that, you know, the moment we come into some difficulty, we just want to get rid of the problem right away. But God is, is much wiser than that, right? His character, what, like we said, is love. And since all of his relationships with his created beings must be based on that same principle, what do you think would have happened if you just zapped Lucifer the moment he began to question God's character. Or, you know, if, uh, if he had done the same thing with the angels who had taken the side of, of the devil and his um, complaint against God. What about those that were left behind? You see, the seed of doubt would have still existed in some of their minds, Right? Some would have served God out of fear rather than love, and that root of sin would not have been completely wiped out. You see, the devil was so artful and so cunning that not everyone could see truly what he was up to, you know, and we all have been around people like that, right? I mean, so many of us have been around deceivers and manipulators. We know that they rarely truly show who they are. They, they rarely show... Um, you know, their true character right away. And they're very good at making themselves the victim, making themselves look like they're the ones in the right, even though they're opposing uh, authority and truth. Um, and, and so it takes time for people to reveal their character. And then you can see who they truly are. It's the same thing. This is a principle for all created beings. The devil was no different. You know, he was even better at disguising his true nature to many. And so God in his eternal wisdom had to let the true nature of sin manifest itself so that all could see its terrible results. And before destroying it, um, he had to allow it to, to mature so that everyone could see that God is just, that God is good, that everything God does is in the best interest of his creation. And so this is not necessarily comforting to those of us who are here in the midst of this great conflict here on earth. Many of us wish we could just say, God, why didn't you just destroy the devil? Why did we have to be brought into this great conflict? Um, and we're going to be talking more about the human interaction and the human intervention into this great conflict um, in our next episode. But before you know, uh, we go there. I just want to remind you of a text found in Romans chapter 8 where it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And so God will make a way, right? We, we know that in the end, we're not going to question God's wisdom. We may not understand how he's getting to that point, but I promise as you continue to walk with me through this season, uh, you'll begin to understand it better for yourself and hopefully trust God as he leads you on this pathway of life, right? Because we have such a short amount of time here on the earth. 
and we really don't have a lot of time to make a choice, but we do have a choice to make. And we can either choose to believe that God is good, that God is love, and that ultimately God has our best interest in mind, or we can believe the lie that that God um, is a manipulator, that his law is restrictive, that he is just out to to take and steal our fun. And, uh, you know, I'm here to answer those questions the best I can. You know, if you have questions about the character of God, if you have questions about the origin of evil, uh, again, my email is travis at aventology.com. I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, I want to encourage you to pick up the book Patriarchs and Prophets. It's for free. You can get it online or you can just order a hard copy of your own by typing Patriarchs and Prophets into Google. But we're going to be using um, this book as a supplementary guide this season. Um, All the chapters in the book will be episode titles, so it'll be easy to follow along and know where we're at. Obviously, I'm not going to be reading from the book, but if you want to get greater insight into what we're going to be discussing here in the podcast, then you can do so by reading those chapters. And in the end, we're going to end up walking through the entire Bible together in this season. So if you're blessed by this episode, uh, let me encourage you to follow uh, us here on Adventology. If you can rate and review us, especially if you're on Google or Spotify or Apple, a five-star review is much appreciated. And that will help others discover uh, what you have here on Adventology. And of course, you know, the whole purpose of Adventology is to help you be ready for Jesus. So how did what we talk about today help you be ready for Jesus? Well, let me just uh, recap with this. Remember, whoever controls the past controls the future. So what you believe about the history of God and humanity affects how you live your life today and ultimately affects your destiny. And so the devil has been calling God a tyrant since the great controversy began, and he continues to do so today. And so his main objective is to discredit God through discrediting his law. And why is that important? Because this will and will continue to be the great dividing line that will become more obvious as we near closer to the end between those who follow God and those who do not. So as we finish the episode today, let me just remind you to be ready for Jesus. Speak life live love. Until next time, Maranatha. We gotta stay awake cause nobody knows a day or time. No. The trumpet's gonna blow and the skies are gonna open wide. Oh yeah. He's coming for us just like he told us. It's been a long way but there's a new
Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back.